And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And as I step back now, I thank you for the spirit of God that's already in this place. To step up to minister the living word of God to your people. I thank you in advance for them hearing it, receiving it, believing it, and activating it. And I declare in Jesus' name as they do that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow their lives as a result of your word. And we declare that now in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, I started a new series entitled Creating a Faith Diet. Everybody say creating a faith diet. And one of the statements that I made on last week was living a principled life is the same as living a life of faith. And this is true because in Romans chapter 3 verse 27, the word of God calls faith a law. Everybody say faith Faith. is a law. And laws are designed to be predictable. The law of gravity or the principle of gravity says what goes up. Amen. It's predictable that it's going to come down, which helps us understand the statement that I'm about to make. And that is when you and I choose to live a principle life, we can expect to experience a predictable life. Say this with me. Say when I choose to live a principle life. I can expect to experience a predictable life. And so last week we identified four different, watch this now, faith diets. And if you weren't here, go back uh, to the website, listen to it on the podcast, or you can watch it on our YouTube channel. But there are four diet types of faith that we talked about. The first one was no faith diet. The second one was a low faith diet. The third one was a high faith diet. And then the, le- the, the highest level was a great faith diet. Now our message today, if you're taking notes, is, is entitled Creating Faith Habits. Fiat, creating Faith Habits. And the, person, uh, the purpose of the lesson today is to help you and, you and I identify some biblical faith habits. Everybody say biblical faith habits. I'm going to show you the power that habits have. I'm going to help you discover God's biblical reward for exercising these faith habits. And then finally, I'm going to help you create some ways to institute these faith habits into your everyday life. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to two verses of Scripture today. Luke chapter 4, verse 16, and then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. That was Luke chapter 4, verse 16, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Now we've learned so far that faith has the ability to overcome any obstacle in your life as long as you understand it and you learn how to apply it. 
And we discovered that in 1 John 5, 4, it says, uh, For whosoever or whatsoever is born of God, they overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Watch this. Even our what? Even our faith. So once you and I, listen, create some faith habits for our lives, we're going to see some faith results. And I don't know about you. I don't want to live a normal life. I don't want to be a normal person. I want to have faith results in my life. I want people to say, what is he doing? Amen. Now, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, here's what I'm going to do for the majority of the day. I'm going to help you and I see the faith habits that Jesus had in his life. How many believe Jesus lived a successful faith life? How many believe that? Well, we're going to identify some faith habits that he had. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, uh, it says, uh, And he, Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, if you physically have a Bible, just underline the word custom. As his custom was, watch this, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. We just read that Jesus had a custom or a habit of going to church. The word custom there, when you look it up in the Greek, it only has one meaning. And you know what that meaning was? It's the word habit. In other words, what I'm telling you is that Jesus had a habit of going to church on the Sabbath day. Now, the dictionary defines the word habit as an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it becomes involuntary. In other words, it's something that you do so much, you don't think about doing it. You have some habits in your life that you're not even aware that you have. I mean, some of us have the habit of going to the refrigerator and just looking in there. Come on, how many do it? You don't even want none. You're just going in. Look, the same thing that was in there the last time you look is still in there. But somehow we just go and just open up the door and just look. Amen. Some of us, we have a faith habit, and this is good, or this is a regular habit of stopping at the red light. You don't think about it. You automatically do it. Why? Because it is a habit in your driving life. The same thing with putting your foot on the brake. If you have to stop, your mind doesn't say, put your foot on the brake. You know why? Because you have created a habit of doing that. And that's what habits do. They are patterns, say patterns. Patterns that we do on a regular basis that are involuntary. So our first habit that we should create in our lives is attending church on a regular basis. Look at your neighbor and say, he already talking to you. Let's read verse 16 again. As he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, as his habit was, he went into the synagogue. He went to church on the Sabbath day. Jesus went to church or to the synagogue on a regular. Everybody say on a regular. And Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit, still attends church today on a regular. Let me throw this at you. What if the Holy Spirit didn't come to church every Sunday? I mean, God's presence would not be manifested or experienced. The word would not make sense or even have inspiration to it. People wouldn't get saved because it's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict people uh, of change in their lives. And then think about this. If Jesus were to come to church, if he, if he comes to church every Sunday, why don't you? 
Now, see, I'm, I'm talking to some people today because, see, there's Word of Truth Family Church averages about two to two hundred and fifty people every Sunday missing. I know y'all didn't know that because, see, some of you all go on a regular basis. But I'm saying, I mean, they come somewhere in the month, but we average every Sunday about 200 to 250 people missing. Now, just look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today, though. Everybody say Jesus went to church on a regular. I mean, physically speaking, your body feels great when it's regular. If you know what I mean. I mean, the last thing you want to become is irregular. I mean, when you're irregular, you get bloated. When you're irregular, you're not sure when it's going to be time. Come on now. When you're irregular, you are uncomfortable. Everybody say back in the day. Back in the day, you know, we used to have irregular clothes that we used to buy because they were cheaper. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, Yeah. See, you would buy a package on the outside of the package. It would say irregular. In fact, I used to own a pair of irregular Braxton jeans. How many remember Braxton's? See, I'm showing my age right now. 52. Yeah, Braxton. We used to have some, I used to have some Braxton jeans. And, and sometimes the Braxtons were irregular. So that's why, watch this, the crease had a slant. Well, when you are spiritually irregular from church, it's impacting you whether you know it or not. So here's what I'm going to do. How can going to church, coming to church as a habit benefit you? Here's number one. Coming to church on a regular basis allows you to grow in your faith on a consistent basis. Because faith comes how? By hearing and hearing the word. So when you come to church on a regular basis, your faith is built on a regular basis. Here's number two. Coming to church on a regular basis helps you to stay connected to the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in the faith. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 in the King James says this. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now I love today's living version or Bible. It says this. In response to all he has done for us. Let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and in doing good. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Jesus is coming whether you believe it or not. Amen. Notice that verse says, let us not neglect our church meetings. Here's the third thing. Coming to church on a regular basis gives you and I the opportunity to do good works by serving others and expressing the Christ in us. See, the vision here at Word of Truth Family Church is clear. Say it with me. It is to know Christ and to make him known. And the only way people are going to see Christ in you, it has to be expressed. And one of the ways Christ is expressed through us is when we serve others. Can I get an amen from the church? 
And coming to church on a regular basis give you and I an opportunity to do good works by serving others and expressing the Christ in us. I love Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says this, for we, say me, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works. Watch this. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God has designed you and I to do some good works. And this is why people do not feel connected or do not get connected to a local church. Because when you're not involved in some good works, you will feel disconnected. I love the message translation of Ephesians 2.10. It says, no, we neither make or save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has all got, he has gotten ready for us to do work we had better be doing. Look at your name and say, you need to be doing some work. Here's the next one quickly. The, I'm just giving you some why that, why Making coming to church on a regular basis a faith habit in your life. Here's the last one here. Coming to church on a regular basis allows us to produce fruit as we serve and do these good works that I just mentioned. John 15, 16 says, and here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Watch this. That you say me. That you should, watch this, go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And here's what happens when you and I produce fruit. And I'm going to show you that fruit is the same or equivalent to works. He says that whatsoever, oh man, that's a wide thing. Whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. What Jesus is saying, if you will position yourself and do some good works that I created you to do anyway, what I will do is that you can ask the Father for whatever you will and I will sign the check with my name. Titus chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting. Watch verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain. Maintain means to keep doing. I'm going to say that again. Maintain means to keep doing. Watch this. He says so they may maintain what? Good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. So the minute you and I stop doing good works is the moment you and I become unfruitful. And the moment we come unfruitful, the asking status promise gets stagnated. I don't know about you, but I want to reach a point in my life that when I ask God for something, he gives it to me. Now, see, one of the reasons God gives me almost all of what I ask him for on a regular, say on a regular. It's because I do what he tell me to do on a regular. Oh, so you really think that God doesn't look at that. Uh, what child would you bless the most? The person that obeys and listens to you the most? Or the ones that just gives you H-E double hockey sticks all the time? I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. You're still going to supply the, 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 the challenging kid, I ain't gonna call him bad. Yes, I will. You will still supply 
food for the challenging kid, the bad kid, you will still give them clothes to wear, right? You will still put a roof over their head, right? But the kid that is obeying you, you're going to do some extra for them. It doesn't mean that they, you love them more. What it means is that they're following the guidelines of your blessing system. So the first habit is we got to go to church on a regular basis. Here's habit number two. We should create that Jesus had in his life is that we should read God's word on a regular basis. Look in verse 16 in the B section. It says he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to what? Come on, look up at the screen. What did he stand up to do? He stood up to read. Jesus had a habit of reading the word of God. Now, here's the issue with most people. Most people know they're supposed to read the Bible every day, but most people have not made it a habit. In other words, it has not become an involuntary acquired behavior pattern to him. And God has designed his word to become the faith roadmap for our lives. Psalm 119, 105, I say it or I pray it every Sunday. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. When we read the word of God, it becomes our spiritual or faith roadmap for our lives. I love Hebrews 4, 12. It says, for the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrows. And this word is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of our heart. The word has the ability to weed out bad intentions that we may have that we don't know we have. Now, I love the today's English version. It says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two uh, double edged sword it cuts all the way through to where soul and spirit meets see this is why you have to have the word sometimes to even discern what you're wanting to do because your soul and spirit are so close to each other it only takes the word to slice between the two sometimes you think you're supposed to be doing something and here's the problem with a lot of people What they may be wanting to do may not be a sin. So it's no big deal. But just because it may not be a sin doesn't mean it's something still God doesn't want you to do. Amen. I counseled a couple this week who was making a major financial purpose uh, uh, purchase. And the good thing about it is uh, they didn't feel right about something. And I was able to help them navigate through that. It wouldn't have been wrong had they done it. But watch this. Just because it's not wrong doesn't mean it's not best. Amen. He says of soul and spirit to where joints and marrows come together. Watch this. This is talking about the word. It judges desires in the thoughts of man's heart. Everybody say you need to read the word every day. Here's the third habit we need to institute. Wait a minute. Let me just back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. What was the first faith habit that I I told you? Attend the church. What? On a regular, look at your neighbor and say, are you regular? Go on and ask them. That's three words, regular. What was the second habit? Read the word of God. Here's our third habit that we should create in our lives. It's confessing the word in our lives. Look in verse 17. It says, and there was delivered unto Jesus the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now he's reading out of the book of Isaiah. And then it says to preach deliverance to the captive, to the recovered of the sight, to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. He gave it again to the minister. He sat down and the eyes of everybody was looking at him. Verse 21. Here's the, here's the principle. And he began to say unto them, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He was confessing the word over his life. Let me tell you something. If you want to have faith results, you're going to have to learn to confess the word over your life. Amen. And next week I'm talking about walking by faith or walking by sight. Because most people allow their feelings to dictate how they walk. And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you, first of all, how to discern the difference between your flesh and your faith. But here, Jesus confessed the word, and he did it throughout the New Testament. Write down John chapter 12, verse 49. It says, this is Jesus talking. He says, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father who sent me. He gave me the commandment, and what I should say is what I'm going to speak. Jesus only said what God told him to say. And the reason you and I need to speak God's word over our lives is because his word, watch this, is who we are. And his word declares, watch this, what you and I can do. Even John the Baptist knew this. If you write down John chapter 1, verses 19 through 24, some religious leaders came to John and they said, John, who are you? Are you that prophet? Are you Elias? Are you this and are you that? And you know what the Bible says in uh, in verse uh, uh, 24? And 25, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, as said the prophet Isaiah. In other words, John, what he did, he was confessing the word. He said that. He said, I'm not just Elizabeth and Zechariah's son. Who I really am is what Isaiah says about me. And that is, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And watch this. And when life begins to throw curves at you, throw situations at you, what life is actually doing is trying to determine who you are. And what you and I have to do, we can't go by what we feel. We have to speak to life what the word says about us. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above always and not beneath. God always causes me to win. If God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me is going to... That's what life needs to hear coming from you. And our fourth and final habit that we're going to look into right now is not in the book of Luke. It's actually in John chapter 8 verse 28 and 29. Jesus had a habit of pleasing God. He had a habit of pleasing God. Watch this. Even when he didn't want to do it. Remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he said, not my what? Will, but thy will be done. Jesus, even though he didn't feel like it, he chose to please God. So here's the question as we close this down. Watch this. Watch this. This is good. So how much power is in a habit? Well, what makes... Habits powerful is the consistency of them. In other words, it is through repetition that habits are formed. So what makes or motivates a person to want to do something repeatedly? Here's the answer to that. It's because of the reward they're going to get from doing it. 
I mean, you can train a dog to consistently do something if you reward them when they do it. And so that's how habits are created. The reason why, watch this now, you might have an ice cream belly because ice cream feels good when you eat it. So you keep eating it. Now, everybody can have an ice cream belly. It don't matter what size you are. Everybody got something. Amen. Everybody got something. Look at your neighbor. Everybody got something. Just tell them. Everybody got something. So I did a study. Everybody say I did a study. I did a study for you all. And this is going to be a little scientific, but then I'm going to turn it into biblical. Because see, scientists just figured out something God already knew thousands of years ago. There was a study done by, uh, with a monkey named Julio. Or Julio, however way you want to say it. Probably Julio. And they were trying to determine how the brain developed habits. Okay? So what they did, they put this small microchip in the brain of Julio. And this microchip was going to allow them to monitor his brain activity during the different studies that they had. And so they put Julio in this dim room. This is a real story. Julio, Julio, it don't matter. Okay, I'm going to call the monkey what I want to. I'm just going by both names just in case I'm mispronouncing it. He might be listening to my podcast. So they put the monkey. Is that better? They put him in a dim room. They put a computer, a computer monitor there. They put a lever there. And then there was a tube coming out of the wall. And so what they did, when Julio, Julio, or the monkey, watch this, when they trained him to touch the lever, when he saw, so what it was is the computer monitor would show colored shapes. When it did, they trained him to pull the lever. When he pulled the lever, watch this, a drop of blackberry juice came in and he had a chance to get it. Well, When he saw that a couple of times happen, he realized that all he had to do was obey the cue, pull the lever. And when he pulled the lever, he would get the reward of the juice. So instead of now focusing on the lever, he started focusing on the computer. Because the computer was the trigger for the lever. So he started looking. And so he did it so many times. And he repeatedly doing it while he started doing it. The scientists noticed that the spike, because in his brain, they showed that when he got the juice, his brain spiked. That said, I like this. And so they kept doing it. They kept doing it. They kept doing it. And after repeatedly doing, doing it, the, watch this now. The scientists noticed that the spike that he was getting when he pulled the lever, watch this, it shifted from the lever to the computer because he realized the computer really is what was dictating if the juice came out. So now his cue went from the lever to the monitor. Touch your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. And so then what they did, they said, okay, let's, let's now, because he's got the habit. You know, he looked at the computer, he pulled the lever, he did it. So they changed it up on him. They stopped letting the juice come out on a regular basis. And then they watered that down. And then they noticed that he started getting mad and irritated. And what they discovered, watch this now, this is going to change your life. What they discovered about this monkey that happens in us too, 
is that now it wasn't the computer anymore that was the cue. It was his craving from the Jews. So now it didn't matter what they did. His craving is what was pushing him. So how do you and I apply this? What we don't know, because we need to apply these, uh, these faith habits. Watch this. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now you may be saying, Pastor, how do I taste the Lord? Read the rest of the verse. It says, watch this. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. So you and I can, watch this, taste the Lord on a regular basis as we trust the Lord on a regular basis. And I love the New Testament in, in Hebrews eleven six, and I'm going to show you how to apply this. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe or trust that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The word rewarder there in that verse means this one who pays wages. So that verse is saying God will pay wages to the person who would diligently seek him. And you know what that word diligently means? Crave. Now, let me just say this, because some of y'all can't handle the definition where it says that reward means to one who pays wages. So let me say it this way. God will bless you. God will bless you as I crave him. So here's the question. How do I begin to crave him? Everybody say that's a good question. How do we do it? We must crave and anticipate his blessings, his promises, or his rewards for our life. In other words, now, stop looking at what you got to do. Start looking at what he's going to do for you. I'm going to say that again. Stop looking at what you got to do. Start looking at what he's going to do for you. Because remember, if I crave him and as I seek him, he's going to reward me. He's going to pay some wages. He is going to bless me. So here's how we fix this. Begin to activate these faith habits in your life. And you already have some habits. So here's some examples. For example, if you're going to take a bath with I, or a shower, which I suggest that you do on a regular why not use that time to pray and say the word over your life? You might don't be wasting the time singing Luther. Luther is dead. Pastor Evan does this on a regular, say a regular. I sing, I pray, and I confess the word while I'm in the shower. Amen. I'm pretty sure you have to go to work. How many got to go to work? Amen. Why not play the word in your car while you are driving? Play what I'm teaching you. See, it's already a habit for you to go to work. So what I'm saying is institute now a faith habit into a habit you already got. I'm not even asking you to create a new habit. I'm saying install a habit in a habit you already got. Amen. I'm pretty sure you ride to work. People ain't riding donkeys now, right? Okay, so if you're riding to work, play the words. Amen. Listen, if you, how many have to get ready for work? See, now me, I, I take a little time to get ready because I enjoy myself. You know, I, I'm a, I, I need time for me. I do. I, I, so I get up early. I don't need nobody messing with me. I need to get my mind on Jesus. So I get up and I'm just taking my time. But while I do that, you know what I do? I put the Bible on my phone and I listen to it. I play it. Listen, I'm instituting a faith habit and a habit I already got. I got to get ready. So I might as well play the word. 
the word while you're brushing that hot breath. Come on now. How many brush your teeth? Brush your teeth. Brush your... Amen. Listen, play the word while you're brushing your teeth. You got to brush them. What am I saying? I'm saying you and I, as we create some faith habits and put them in habits we're already doing. He said he will reward those. He will pay those, pay wages to those who diligently seek him. And I declare in Jesus name that as you anticipate God's rewards for your life, it's going to motivate you to do these habits. And as you do these habits, I declare in Jesus name, showers of blessings are going to come into your life. I declare that as you institute these habits, as you continue to come to church on a regular basis, as you continue to hear the word on a regular basis, as you continue to confess the word on a regular basis, that blessings are going to overtake you like you've never seen before in your life. And I declare that your cup will run over with the blessings of God and the rewards in your life. People will see, and the Bible says they will see your good works and glorify God in heaven. Did you get blessed by the word today? Give the Lord a hand clap. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You can't start faith habits until you've accepted the Savior of faith. His name is Jesus. There may be some people in the room today who've never made Jesus the Lord of their life. What am I saying?